10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Chrome Soft isn't just another tour ball. It's the golf ball that's changing how tour balls are made. When Callaway made a low compression, low spin tour ball, others said they might be onto something and tried doing the same. But they can't. Because Chrome Soft is the only ball engineered with a graphene-infused dual soft fast core for serious speed and unbelievable control around the greens. See for yourself why everyone was playing and loving Chrome Soft. Order the ball that changed the ball at CallawayGolf.ca. A vacancy rate that has hit rock bottom, ever-rising rents, and a back and forth between the city and the province over how to fix the problem. No, we're not talking about Toronto or Vancouver. We're talking about Charlottetown. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. The capital of PEI is dealing with a vacancy rate lower than 1%, and rents in some cases have doubled. We look at what's driving the problem, what measures people are taking to be able to afford rent, and what solutions are being looked at. Don't forget, we're available on all your favorite listening apps, including Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends about us. Megan Campbell is a reporter with the National Post and looked into the tight real estate market in Charlottetown, PEI. So, Megan, how tight is the rental market out east? Yeah, in Charlottetown, I mean, it could hardly be tighter. The vacancy rate as of November um, was 0.2% compared to, you know, 1.1% in Toronto. I mean, if you think about how many actual homes there are in Charlottetown, that means about 45 units in the entire city are vacant. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really challenging the popular image of Prince Edward Island as this sort of land of rolling hills and endless space. I mean, you don't, you don't really think of Bud the Spud in a bidding war. So what has this done to, to rents and, and housing prices in Charlottetown? Yeah, so the average rent for a single detached unit is uh, $921, I believe. And these rates have been going up uh, rapidly. The increase in the price of a home for sale has gone up like 18% in the past year, up to about $285,000. So we're definitely seeing a uh, spike in pricing. I mean, obviously that's lower than other places in the country, but we're talking about a market that is generally smaller and and has seen lower prices than other parts of the country previously as well. So how does it compare to uh, places like Toronto or Vancouver, which are widely seen as uh, some of the tightest markets in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, the actual vacancy rate is significantly lower. Of course, it's still going to be cheaper to live in live on Prince Edward Island. But uh, I think that the, the bidding war and the whole atmosphere and the uh, symptoms that come from a housing crisis anywhere are being felt in PEI, you know, whether that be food insecurity. You know, I talked to one family who had uh, sold their children's bicycles to pay their rent, uh, people living in their cars, uh, or deciding, you know, if the landlord isn't willing to have pets in their apartment to, you know, possibly put down their cats and dogs. Wow. So what does this mean for the city's ability to attract new people? It seems that immigration is still going strong. I'm not actually sure if there's been a impact on their immigration numbers because of the lack of housing. In fact, I don't think people quite appreciate the difficulty of finding a house until they actually perhaps arrive. But it's interesting to look at the 
factors behind this housing crisis because it's not just immigration. A large part of the boom is coming from seniors in rural areas moving downtown to be closer to doctors, hospitals, uh, other medical experts. Also, uh, there's been a lack of construction, especially um, among the university colleges, so that the students are filling up uh, many of the units and there's not enough bus routes or any other sorts of public transportation to enable them to live outside the city. What about the idea, kind of the stereotype of the, the Maritimer coming out west in the last 20 years looking for work in the oil patch or, or uh, other mining or other resource economies? Are we seeing those people move back home as well as the economy is kind of softened out west? Certainly, yeah. There's active efforts by the province, in fact, to repatriate some of the islanders who have moved out west. Mm-hmm. And I think with the uh, slump in jobs in places like Fort McMurray, this is sort of adding to the to that wave of people moving back. And then also there's been a lot of efforts on the part of the province to keep students to prevent them from moving away in the first place. So you talked about uh, some residents, you know, having to forego groceries or having to tighten their budgets or even sell their kids' bikes. What else are, are people saying to you? Do, has this led to uh, landlords being more selective with uh, people applying for units or more quick to evict people if they feel they can get higher rents out of somebody else? What's the situation on the ground there for people? One family that I mentioned who had been selling their kids' bicycles, they weren't in the written piece, but um, they were actually from Nazareth, and they had moved here. They have twin teenage daughters as well as a young son, and they have no family on the island. They are being evicted from their home, and they literally cannot find a place to live, even if they could afford the increase in rent that they're now seeing because they began renting the place um, a few years ago and now the rent of a comparable place has has doubled. And even if they were willing to pay pay that, they literally can't find a spot. So for a family of five, it becomes just like a straitjacket. And then I was talking to another single father who has two little kids. And you know, you you mentioned the question of landlords becoming more selective. Well, he gathers that the only reason he was chosen was because the landlord thought his three-year-old son was cute. (laughs) He was very cute, I must say. When we were having our conversation there a Sunday afternoon, the little boy had to be, he's wearing his little Paw Patrol hoodie and he had to be separated from a power drill a few times and (laughs) (laughs) he's bugging his older sister. But anyway, the fact that people are at the whim of landlords is a scary situation. Now, with a lot of seniors moving in from more rural places into Charlottetown, is there an effect on rural communities or is the province trying to get more young people who may be moving back to consider living somewhere other than Charlottetown? Is the situation exacerbated by the fact that you know people want to live close to a, a center and PEI, for all intents and purposes, just has kind of one major center? Well, it's interesting because now they're talking about 
a sort of secondary housing crisis in Summerside, which is the second biggest city in PEI. And so certainly there's this sort of spillover effect that people are willing to live in a more rural place, but then that just increases the restraints on that housing market. Mm-hmm. There's really an understanding that like public transportation needs to be put in place to allow people to live in uh, more rural communities. Like there's even sort of a suburb area of Charlottetown called Cornwall. And um, there's a thought that, you know, if more students at UPEI at the University of Prince of Rhode Island could live in Cornwall and could commute each day in, what, 20 minutes, um, then you'd, you know, open up a huge amount of of rental spaces. Uh, But currently, I think there's like perhaps one or two buses a day. So people aren't really going to risk missing that. So it sounds like there's a there's a lot of factors playing into this, like a limited housing market, people moving to Charlottetown from more rural areas, people moving back home from Western Canada, uh, people immigrating to Prince Edward Island, um, and a lack of construction. What are city officials saying, and who are they pinning the blame on, if there is any blame to pin here? Right. So there are, I suppose, multiple levels of government, of course, involved here. Um, If you ask the city, so I sat down with the mayor. um, And by the way, I should mention I'm from the island and the mayor, you know, had me know that he um, helped my parents build our house. He was hauling poplar wood for them when I was a child. So anyway, um, just to disclose that I am, you know, connected to many of the people on the island in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was certainly putting the blame on the province, saying that there needs to be more re- recruitment of construction workers and that the city is really constrained in its day-to-day operations. There's nothing that they could sacrifice, I guess, uh, among their services to sort of invest in affordable housing right now. So then if you talk to the province, they're saying, well, the city needs to be involved and the city's been dragging its feet by doing years and years of surveys. So they've been doing like two years of surveys, I guess, what the the provincial opposition housing critic is saying. And uh, we know what's happening. We know that, for example, it's another aggravating factor. The Airbnb market is uh, is growing. So there's like 2% of all units in the city are being used for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So the province is talking about putting in some legislation to control that, whether it be licensing uh, Airbnb hosts or another mechanism. Airbnb housing takes... Uh, rental housing out of the market because people won't bring in tenants if they figure they can make more money off single night stays or multiple night stays in their apartment or their house, right? Exactly. And PEI has a massive uh, tourist industry, uh, tourism industry in the in the summers especially. So many of those units will be, will be uh, used for that purpose. Mm-hmm. But yes, the, the province is not, you know, deflecting all responsibility to the city by any means, but is saying that there needs to be um, some accountability here on on all levels. What are the solutions that are being looked for, short term or long term? You mentioned transit. Um, what other some What are some of the things that the city would like to see, or the province would like to see, or even renters would like to see 
to help deal with some of these issues? Yeah, so addressing some of the zoning bylaws to encourage more and allow for more development, rapid development, Mm -hmm. recruiting and training more construction workers because there are not enough contractors to build what needs to be built. Certainly the transportation, as we mentioned, regulating the Airbnb market and, uh, you know, training and hiring more uh, construction workers. Now, PEI just came out of a provincial election. Was this an issue that was debated at all during that race? Yes, absolutely. It was within the top two election issues, that and, and health care. And what what did the provincial government uh, during the campaign, what did the, the party who won promise to do? Well, I think that the major focus is on constructing more affordable housing units. At the end of the day, there needs to be more there just needs to be more on the market and doing that rapidly. And in the meantime, addressing some of these smaller factors like uh, the Airbnb market and controlling that. And one last question. We're approaching a federal election. I know that affordable housing is an issue that has been talked about by uh, the federal liberals as well as uh, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. Um, Have the premier or the mayor uh, indicated that they're going to be pushing the feds or the uh, opposition parties for funding to get some of these things uh, fast-tracked? Yeah, I mean, they didn't say specifically that they were going to sort of use the federal election as a moment in time to have this addressed, but they certainly said that there needs to be involvement by the federal government. I think the mayor told me, you know, the city has all the problems, the province has all the money, and the feds have all the power. <laughs> and uh, he was saying little old Charlottetown, like, we're a small city with big city problems. Yeah, definitely. And especially as, as cities grow, it becomes a, a bit of a perpetual motion machine that you see more problems arise that uh, create more problems uh, of their own. Megan, thanks very much for your time. Okay, thanks so much. Like what you heard today? Get more of the National Post's award-winning journalism complimentary for 30 days at nationalpost.com slash podcast. 10.3 is produced by Carson Drama. Additional production this episode from Bryce Hall. Special thanks to my guest, Megan Campbell. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>